On this episode of the Brax McCoy Show, I have Justin Hawks on. He's one of the best followers on Instagram, so if y'all are on Instagram, go follow him there. He posts a lot of funny stuff from his life ranching and building saddles, and uh, every once in a while he'll throw some stuff up there from back when he was in the service or contracting overseas. Just really cool guy to follow, neat guy to talk to, and I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. Can't wait to have this guy back on one day. But before we go, I got to tell you guys, thank you for all the reviews you've been leaving. It's, it's really helping us uh, boost us in the algorithm and all that kind of stuff. So thank you. I appreciate it. Leave another review if, or leave a review if you haven't already. And one thing, there's we were experiencing some latency in this, so you'll pick up on it. But I try to do my best to fix it on the back end. Enjoy the show. All right, I'm here with Justin Hawks, uh, saddle maker extraordinaire, <laughs> uh, former soldier, contractor, bronc rider, bullfighter. I mean, <laughs> guy's got a hell of a resume. It's there's a lot of stuff on there. I'm not <laughs> even sure what's on there anymore. <laughs> so what? You grew up on a ranch in Montana, right? In Texas, I guess. Bull. No, good Montana. Don't ever say Texas. <laughs> No, God bless Texas. I lived there for 15 years, but uh, no, I grew up in Montana. Uh, both sides of my family were in ranching, still are. Uh, yeah. So I was uh, brought up old school cowboy, Eastern Montana. Um, I think that's where some of the greatest cowboys are made is out there because that is some tough country, rough horses. My granddad grew up, or I grew up riding the bucking horses that didn't buck me and my brother he turned out to be a heck of a saddle bronc rider but i did not that's how i ended up fighting bulls right on yeah you know it's it's funny you bring that up because a lot of people see just the cowboy hat or whatever and they think all the cultures are the same and, and they're so different i mean cowboys from montana and cowboys from like great basin area where i came from they do a lot of things different way different they do i mean it's i i grew up you know i'm i'm 52 years old I remember the, the, during the eighties, the Western horseman was just full of Kurt Marcus photos, you know, all those guys and those buckaroo shoots out in ZX ranch and, you know, the Waihee Valley and all that stuff. And shoot, I wanted to go cowboy all over as soon as I got out of high school. And I kind of did a little bit. So yeah, you learn a lot of different things going to different parts of the country. Heck I've cowboyed and done cowboy in California and Texas and Georgia, you know, Really, he I broke the big bull in North Carolina one time and drug him in a trailer. <laughs> no kidding. So, huh. so what, how'd you end up in the army from there? Well, yeah, I joined when I was 30 years old. Uh, I, I always wanted to be in the military. I joined the Marines right out of high school. I was kind of an outlaw. I got kicked out during boot camp. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, I was like, well, all right, I'll go do something else for a while. So I started rodeo and I rodeoed for 10 years. I start, we started out riding Bronx. Uh, my brother was really, my brother, Toby Hawks, really good saddle bronc rider. I was not a very good saddle bronc rider. I was sticky, but I couldn't spur one and it was pretty ugly. So cousin of mine started out, wanted to be a, a bull rider. We didn't have a rodeo clown or a bullfighter in the arena. So I grabbed a broom and Started doing that, and then uh, my uncle was a pickup man for a stock contractor. 
he knew I was farting around fighting bulls. A bullfighter broke his leg. They called me. I showed up at Hewlett, Wyoming for my first rodeo for Dale Small. And that's, that's where it started. And I got smoked, smoked big time. <laughs> <Did> you... <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, let's hear that. You know, you just don't know. That was my first time fighting bulls in a rodeo. You know, I, I, I thought I was cool, but I was not cool, dude. And this this uh, this guy got bucked off, and I stepped in there in front of this big old Charlotte bull, and he just – I just froze right in, middle, right in front of him. Just froze. Oh, I no. just ate him. Just ate his whole <laughs> face and everything. My knee swelled up. Hyperextended my knee. It swelled up twice its size. And paramedics gave me some ice packs, and I iced it down, and, was there the next day to fight bulls with a giant swollen knee and shit. I worked for Dale small for the next four years after that until I got my PRCA card. Well, that's how you know you're a real bullfighter. If you're showing up the next day, you know, like maybe you were testing <laughs> yeah. the waters at first, but <laughs> I, I put on a, I put on a couple rodeo schools back in the day when I was a little bit, you know, bullfighter famous. And, uh, I put one on North Dakota and yeah, I had this guy show up to this bullfighting school. And he's wearing one of those satin jackets, you know, back in the day. And on the back of it, embroidered, was as big letters as you could fit across the back of his jacket, said bullfighter. And so immediately I'm going to, I know I'm going to just murder this guy. And uh, (laughs) (laughs) we got some, and these were some burger bulls. They were hooky, mean, young three-year-olds. We did some wheelbarrow drills. I showed these guys how to throw some fakes and get around. And then the, Started the bull riding. It was in conjunction with the bull riding school. So, man, this guy, big bullfighter, he got smoked quite a few times that first day, and he didn't come back the next day. He did no not kidding. come back. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Shows up all Wild yeah. West pimp style and never comes back. Oh, yeah. I'm sure he'd be still – he's probably still wearing that, that jacket to the bar somewhere in North Dakota, but uh, yeah, he did not come back. <laughs> It's, it's, yeah, funny. it's not a lifestyle for everyone being a bullfighter because you're going to get smoked, man. You're going to break some bones. You're going to get your teeth knocked out of your face. It's going to be rough, but it's fun. It's fun while you do it, you know. Yeah, them those guys like you, you guys are tough as hell. I, I rode a few of them. It's about as close as I got to it. And, well, and I, I worked for an outfit training some bulls once, so I had to do a little, little bit of that, like saving my buddy. But I wasn't any good at it, and it wasn't very fun to me. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I got on three at Cody night rodeo. And that was all it took for me. And that cured me. I did not ever want to get on another one. I was shaking so bad. Uh, I was back behind the chutes, praying for my life. Got kind of down there squatting down, you know, like bull riders do. And the bullfighter came up, slapped me on the shoulder and said, you know, whatever he said, motivational thing. And I about jumped out of my shafts. It scared me so bad. I was <laughs> just, it was the worst, but I rode all three bulls slapped one. Uh, yeah. But that was the end of my bull riding career. It scared me too bad. It felt a lot safer running around in front of them. Yeah, well, I was the opposite because I wanted to get the hell out of the arena as quick as I could <laughs> every time I hit the dirt. <laughs> One time my grandpa was there, and he goes, man, I didn't know you were that fast. <laughs> I got bucked off this bull. And I, I, and a lot of people don't know the stock contractor will come up to you before if they got a bull that's hooky or kind of a headhunter, and they'll tell you, like, get your butt out of there, you know, if you get bucked off. And yeah. I'd had that little advice. And so I hit the dirt, and I got out of there and he's, man, I was, you know, look at, look at that guy. You got to be a track runner. You got to quit doing this bull riding stuff. You know? <laughs> yeah. I, uh, 
there was quite a few of those bulls that I would advise guys before they go, they'd come back and go, Hey, what's, what's uh, an old number? What so-and-so do? I'm like, I'll jump out of there about two to the left. Then he might jump out, come back to the right. But man, you get off, you better be running for your life because he's going to eat you alive. There was just some of them bulls are like that. And some of them you could would just walk out of the arena and never bother anybody. It's true. And it's funny. You you watch even like the PBR stuff now and they've bred a lot of that out of those bulls. A lot of them seem pretty darn easy going, you know? Well, I just, I mean, I lived in Stephenville, Texas for quite a few years when I was doing contracting. And when I'd come back, I'd help those guys out quite a bit. Yeah. It's you're training those bulls. I mean, they're bucking them as yearlings with dummies on to two year olds into competitions if they keep going, they eventually make the big leagues. And by then they're pretty conditioned. Anything that, I mean, it, there's still a few that'll hook you, but most of them, they know their job. They're in and out. It's done with. Yeah. And then we can go back and do some more eating and laying around That's and right. all that kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah. It's and the, there it's the amateur rodeos that got all the ones that'll eat you alive. I'm so glad you said that. Cause it is, it is so true. You go to the local podunk rodeo <laughs> <laughs> and those things are. This mean good I love going to little rodeos nowadays. I can just sit in the stands and giggle. It's the best. <laughs> yep. Yeah. They'll still do some wild cow milking and all that kind of fun stuff too. I, oh, I, yeah. like, I like those as well. Wild horse race. I, I did, I've done a couple of those. Yeah. Have you? I didn't, mm-hmm. I, that's one I got a buddy that's been, I want to go do that so bad, but I'm, I'm kind of old and broken now. And I don't, I don't know if it's a good idea, but I've been thinking. I, mean, it's, I uh, well, I got on my last ranch bronc at 42 and uh, won it. And I still think in my mind I could do it, but man, every time one of these Colts bucks up or blows up and tries to buck me off, I'm like, ah, okay, maybe we don't need to enter a ranch bronc ride. <laughs> I don't need <laughs> I don't need to go out like that. Shoot. Yep. I remember I fought bulls at an old timers rodeo one time and uh Ronnie Rosin was getting on there. And I mean, you can Google Ronnie Rosin, he's a famous bull rider. He was in his fifties at that time and he's he came to me behind the shoes. He's like, Man, he said, son, I can't I can't get up. So after this bull gets me off, I'm I'm just I gotta lay there for a minute. <laughs> he was not not lying i he got bucked. he rode that bull and stepped off but his knees he didn't have any knees left he just i mean he just basically collapsed and i led the bull off and a couple of his old buddies got out there and helped him up and he got out of there and it wasn't just but a few weeks later he got on bull stepped on his chest and killed him no so, i guess yeah he went out like he wanted to i mean Damn. you're gonna ride bulls that long you love riding bulls yeah, that is that is no kidding. I got a buddy that's still. I knew. I, I think I I fought bulls for the last time when I was forty five, and I was I was like, yeah, it's time for me to quit. I've definitely lost a step here. I can still do it, but I don't. I'm not where I should be when I want to be, and that's that's when I knew I had to had to hang it up. So yeah, it comes time to your body. As much as your mind craves it, the body's like, dude, you just need to chill out <laughs> yeah some young guys take it over from here on out yeah it's weird kind of and i'm i'm a little younger but beat up so i'm kind of uh on an accelerated timeline and i'm starting yeah, you're to notice definitely, me. you're definitely beat up probably a lot more than i am so yeah. well, I, I, i'm not gonna that. complain 
But I, it's it's funny you said that about Colts because I, I do the same thing. I'd be talking to my wife. I'm like, I'm going to go ride a couple of Ranch Bronx. And then, you know, like say one of them will open up a little bit. And I go, ah, never mind. <laughs> maybe, I'm, maybe I'm good. <laughs> I'll just keep doing this. <laughs> I took uh, – my son got on some Ranch Bronx for the first time last year. He turns 21 this year. And his – ironically, his name is Colt. But, uh, yeah, he t- he got on some Ranch Bronx this year and uh, – I mean, he made a legitimate 82-point ride on one of them, and I, could, I don't think I could have rode that horse. No kidding. That Very dude cool. jumped and kicked out there. I mean, jumped and kicked over his head and then spun at the end and was cranking it, kicking in the spin. It was it was a beautiful thing to see. I was pretty proud. That would be a proud moment. Yeah. But when I look at that, I'm like, could I have rode that dude? Maybe. Maybe. I don't know if I'd have made that corner, though. So. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, especially when they start diving a little bit left and right on you. That's it's those ducks and dives, which what killed me in my saddle bronc riding career. I couldn't could not get by those ducks and dives right out of the chute there. Yeah. Yeah. Man, but it's gotta be fun watching Colt ride stuff now. I saw you had him on some bulls and stuff. Maybe it's been a couple years ago he was doing that, but it was last, yeah. He was getting on last summer. He's get he's a he's uh over in Georgia right now, so there's not a lot of bull riding opportunities over there. He's doing some work, but he got on a few. He gets on a few here and there still. He's just taking a break to actually make some money because it's hard to make living a bull rider. <laughs> Smarter than either one of us. Sometimes already. you actually got to break down and get a real job. You know, yeah, something that'll get you by when bull riding won't. That is no you kidding. For all you future bull riders out there, have a skill. Learn skill, do trade, do <laughs> or marry a rich woman. Uh, that's. I mean, I tried that. That that failed. That was supposed to be my retirement plan, and it failed miserably. So, <laughs> so, so I, I guess it was just kind of a natural transition into saddle building. Then, I mean, just cowboy your uh, whole life. And- say, you know, I I was always interested in leather. Shoot, when my grandpa you know he was always repairing stuff out in the shop he had teams and wagons and stuff was always getting busted up so i was always riveting things back together and doing you know whatever and after high school i tried i went around and asked a couple saddle makers if i could get on as an apprentice nobody would take me so i eventually just moved on away from it and did rodeo and then she joined the army there for a little while and then contracted overseas and it was in the middle of contracting that I just kind of got burnt out, took about six months off and went to a saddle making school in Montana. And uh, that was in, I think, 2008. Oh, really? Yeah. And then I went back to contracting and contracted until 2014 was the last time I left Afghanistan. And then, uh, yeah, just been pretty much making saddles ever since then, starving to death mate, as a saddle maker. <laughs> well, right on. Well, I, you know, I'm not even, not even pulling your tail. I, this saddle I got of yours is my favorite saddle I've ever had. So you're pretty darn good. I'm at glad. It. Yeah. I mean, and that's, that's something people should always think about too, is if you're going to get a saddle made by somebody, at least get it made by a guy who has made a living in one, you know, and knows how they should fit and how they work and if they're going to fall apart or not. I worked for a large saddle maker in Greenville, Texas, uh, large large saddle maker i made saddle trees there for him and ran the repair shop and you know they 
those saddles are good. The factory saddles are good. They're going to last you a long time, but they're, they're not a custom saddle and they're not, you know, the, the leather's cut thinner, so it'll fit better in places. And it's just uh, it's not the same. You know, no, and they don't, they the don't, I, honestly, I, they don't fit the horses as good either. One of the things I've been surprised is I can move the saddle onto a bunch of different size horses and it seems to fit okay all the time. Hey, uh, I don't, I don't know if I do this right or not, but I'll tell you how I do that. Make that fit happen is I'll get in when I get a tree and I've got, and I'm getting ready to set my riggings. I'll, uh, I'll get in three or four horses and they're all, they'll all be different shapes and sizes. I'll set that tree up on their back. Just I'll set it on their bear and I'll set it on there with a pad and I'll mark, you know, where, where that cinch should lie or that latigo should lie with the, with the marker on there and then just kind of take an average on all those different horses. And that's where I'll put that rigging. Oh. I don't measure it out. I don't have a specific measuring device to set my riggings. It's, it's through setting it on horses and marking where it wants to sit naturally that tree. And so far for me, that's been pretty good luck. Cause there's a lot of, you know, my brother rides one, all our neighbors ride one at my saddle. So I get to see him in action every year, dragging calves at Brandon's and things like that. And, you know, it's good to see what works and what doesn't and what I've had to change over the years. And it's, turned into what i think is a lot better product now than when i started obviously and it's shoot i'm still you know i've been at it for well since 2008 but you know i'm always learning you, you teach yourself something new every day sure it's, it's uh you know as with anything same with riding colts or anything else you're gonna learn something new every day from a, a different horse different colt different day I'll probably yeah. learn something this afternoon when I got to go ride in this 50 mile an hour wind out here. <laughs> That's, I was, <laughs> that is the worst time to ride a Colt. There's nothing worse than that. I hate it, man. And it's been blowing every day and I'm pretty, I'm getting to, I'm getting pretty soft now. I'm pretty easy to talk out of them, but they're saddled. I got them saddled up right now. I can't, I got to go ride them now. I got to, it's a pride <laughs> thing. I can't go down there and unsaddle them. <laughs> yeah i know i know just what you mean i done that in the rain the other day and i was thinking man i I'm, i don't have to ride these right now <laughs> you know but I know. I know. yeah took the effort to put that up there you might as well crawl on and see what happens yeah Plus you gotta so, ride them in the wind someday anyway well especially if you send them off to somebody else you gotta do it because that's their that's in my opinion where they're most likely to get themselves in trouble is like people that don't start colts don't really understand them very good i don't think and that wind is a whole new thing it takes all their senses no. away except for their sight and <laughs> it does it does i was i mean we grew up riding bronx and we had this i had this colt he came back my dad had him started this colt's name was billy the guy that started him was billy greeno who's deb greeno's dad the famous greenos you know mm -hmm. um but billy the horse was not fun to ride on windy days and i had these chinks and every time you go where the wind was blowing at your tail those chinks would flap back over and it was a runaway it was just every it doesn't matter how many times a day it happened if your chinks flapped up with the wind you're gonna have a runaway this <laughs> just it, you know that's how that it, yeah colts in the wind they lose their minds sometimes they do and honestly i'd rather have them start pitching than run away out in the open I, I worry I about too. badger holes and every other thing, you know. I I had a I got a we were up in Haver, Montana at a pro rodeo when I was fighting bulls, and uh, I brought a colt with me at the time just to 
get him used to seeing some country and haul him a little bit, you know. And, and uh, so I volunteered to go gather the bucking horses on him. This horse is, he was a pure idiot. <clears throat> so we go out there, make a circle around these bucking horses. They start running in the crowd. He kind of, you know, you know, he's wanting to run with them a little bit. So I'm sawing on his face a little bit, kind of getting him gathered up. And uh, my snaffle, the two rings in the middle of the mouthpiece, yeah, broke. No broke way. Apart. <laughs> no. <laughs> so the next thing I know, this I got my hands up over my head, wondering what in the heck is going on. And this dude, he's he's at it now. He is pitching and getting after it in the middle of all these bucking horses. And I I just bail. I ch- I couldn't take it anymore. I was too scared. I had to jump out on that one. I hardly ever bail out, but that was the one time I had to bail out. <laughs> Did you have was it a split oh, rein you had? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you had horse no control. Horse, no control. I got that, that horse. I called him Two Dot. I, I I read about a trick one time. He bucked all the time. He bucked all the time. So I read about this trick in an old Western Horseman magazine where you put a uh, just a rope around their neck with a like a slip knot kind of up here by their throat latch uh-huh. then you take the end of that rope and run it back and half hitch it around your horn so it's you know loose enough he can do everything but if he puts his head down to buck he'll cut his wind off you know mm-hmm. it worked it worked <laughs> did it really but it taught him to be an absolute runaway <laughs> so <laughs> that, that trick went out the window i'd much rather have him bucking than uh, choking and running away yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no kidding. God, that is funny. I, you know, if you, uh, I ride Makati sometimes, and um, you know, you can tie a bowline around their neck and just tie them up with that Makati rein so it can't pull on the on the head stall at all. Yeah. Well, I tied my stud up like that the other day. I was helping a buddy with some cows and tie him up, and I, he's just such a freaking strong sucker that he stretched that Makati. I didn't even think it was possible. It's like, I don't Capriola Makati, but he stretched that thing and he turned himself all the way around. So he had his butt stuck to the fence and he passed himself out. And here I got this calf oh. under me, you know, leg up to my chin, trying to get, you know, banded. And I see my, my stud go down. I'm like, sorry, I jump off and run over. <laughs> my buddy gets a crap kicked out of him by this calf. I was just holding, but I couldn't have my horse die, you know? But yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't want that? No, it's it's funny how they can just you know get themselves. They, they can in get positions. themselves into some absolute absolute wrecks. I mean, the last time I I, I took uh, Kate out to Ingemar. Kate's my my wife. We went out to Ingemar, Montana, where my uncles live, and I said, "Hey, talk to my uncle Wally." I was like, "Hey, Wally, let's get this team in, take Kate for a drive." I thought the team was broke. <laughs> uh, I harnessed them up there like a little fidgety. I'm like, okay, okay. These things are a little get, might get a little Western here. So we decided to put them in the arena to hitch him up first and uh, hitch him to the wagon. And, and my uncle, he's elderly. He's in his mid seventies at the time. And I'm kind of standing off to the side, holding this team. He crawls up in the wagon. And he said, he says, all right, let him go. And they left the world. I mean, <laughs> they left the world as fast as they could go. They made a lap around that arena, and there was an old red wooden gate at the end of it. They tried to jump over that, splintered that thing into two sticks, ran up the hill, hit another fence corner, took a hard right. That's that slowed enough down that Wally dived out. I thought, oh man, they killed my uncle. 
he come to his knees, blood running down his head, down to his white shirt. And he said, you all right? He said, yeah, I'm okay. So I watched these horses, this team pulling this wagon, running off. They made a circle around through the yard, came up, and uh, there was an old pickup sitting there, an old Ford pickup, and they were headed right for it. And they tried to jump over that pickup oh, and no. landed. One landed in the bed, one landed on the roof of the cab, collapsed it down. And uh, still attached the wagon. So I got a horse in the bed of the pickup. I mean, they blew the windows out. I mean, it was a fantastic wreck. One of the most fantastic wrecks I've ever seen. I got to witness it all. And shoot, we tried to get, we put a nylon harness on them. My uncle wanted to cut it off. I was like, no, no, save this harness. So I'm in there trying to unhook them. That one kicked me in the knee when I was unhooking them. We got them unhooked and they were fine. One had a little, tiny little cut on his shoulder, but they walked away from that without a scratch. I hurt more from getting kicked in the knee, and my uncle had more blood coming out of him than either one of those horses did. No kidding. That was, that was just one of our wrecks that we've had over the years. There have been quite a few good times. Yeah, that's times. you, that's, you got to have that kind of stuff on a GoPro. Of course, you might yeah, get I mean, sued. It was, yeah, I mean, that's probably not something people want to see every day. I did not want to see it, but it was happening. I got to watch it. <laughs> that pickup's still sitting there, too. It is not me. <laughs> Them horses are long gone, but that pickup's still there. That is funny as hell, man. Yeah, I can't even imagine. We uh we had a little team of Belgians. Well, they weren't little, but team of Belgians when I was a kid, but they were so darn you know, they were Amish broke, so they were so darn easy to do anything on. We never had any big wrecks with them. My old man would chew them with a, a damn angle grinder, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had, I had a nice workhorse team, and I I was putting shoes on them to take them to the Cody Wild West show, and uh, one of them pulled a, a number eight nail through my shaft leg, my shoe and shafts, and hit that artery right behind my knee oh shit now i thought i was gonna bleed out right there in the corral i filled my then there filled my boot up with blood holy cow yeah i got the bleeding shut down my whole leg calf turned purple she did not get shoes on her no she <laughs> got to go on she got to go on the gravel barefoot that girl did <laughs> holy cow man yeah that's a bad one i it's and it's always those the things you're not thinking about i that end up hurting you the worst it seems like and even horses they do it themselves too like i had one whacker jaw off a damn shed the other day i couldn't even figure out how she cut it you know but she had a big old gash under her. i mean anyway it's always something little yeah, like that i got this big roan colt down the corral right now he tried to knock his two front teeth out uh, you know just you know accident prone but as far as yeah horses have i fought bulls for 20 years and i did it as a job professionally for 10 Got my leg broke, got my teeth knocked out, a bunch of injuries. But I'm more crippled up from saddle horses than I am from anything else, honestly. I got more injuries from just being cowboy, doing cowboy stuff than rodeo. Yeah, I don't doubt so. it. We had a buddy, um, a buddy of ours. They were up moving cattle. My gosh, it's been a couple of years ago now. And he's He used to be a hell of a bronc rider, but he's, you know, 60 years old now and he don't want to be on them all that bad. So he was trying to kind of bail off and his spur, his spur row hit the cannel as that thing was bucking and flipped him through the air and landed on his head. And it all darn near killed him. It was a bad deal. And that was a broke horse. It was just a, you know. Oh yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I ruined my shoulder on a broke horse. We were riding along a 
cut bank, gathering some cows. And I still don't know to this day why this horse did it. He just jumped straight up in the air, which kind of upset me. So I kind of <laughs> gouged him in the side. And, uh, man, he just went sideways and fell off at about eight foot cut bank down to the bottom, broke my shoulder in two and just mangled me. Shit, but he was yeah. broke to death and gentle as could be but I don't, you know he just freak deal in a yeah. freak place i well, just had to i had to switch from shooting my bow right-handed to, i'm a lefty now thanks to that horse but i shoot oh. my bow a lot better left-handed <laughs> yeah, that's that's funny that we share that i shoot my bow left-handed now too because my right hand's crap i can't do anything with it really i mean a little bit yeah but, yeah, yeah. Not, i, I far, i mean we when i was with when I was contracting overseas, we, I mean, we trained so much with our offside shooting that uh, it kind of came natural. It seemed like it was natural as could be to switch from a right to left. So we'll see how long the, this shoulder lasts. Yeah. <laughs> hopefully a while. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> we, we learned how to shoot offhand uh, or not offhand, but other hand or whatever, as kids hunting rabbits out of the truck at midnight driving around. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah we used to uh, do a lot of that too we used we used to do i mean my grandpa had greyhounds we used to hunt coyotes and greyhounds cool so jackrabbits were what the coyotes ate so we killed a lot of jackrabbits a lot of jackrabbits as kids at night with a spotlight yep that's Most exactly that. well <laughs> I, I, I don't know well i, I don't know <laughs> uh, that's the only way i ever knew how to do it so i don't know that's, that's the way the greyhounds got fed so yeah those were great times man hell yeah statute limitations anyway i think we're probably all right i'm, I'm pretty sure by now yeah good luck coming to find me i'm a gypsy anyway that's hard to track me down <laughs> it is kind of hard to track you down that's true <laughs> it's kind of hard to track me down it, yeah, it gets annoying sometimes, even to myself. But it's it's been one heck of a ride, that's for sure. I've been all over the place, and I'm still going. Still, shoot, started all over again with a baby. A yeah, family. So. Gosh, yeah, young baby. Yeah. Yeah, she's seven months old. It's yeah, been it's... quite the quite the adventure, and uh, I did plan it worth a dang. Her birthday is in September 18th, so right in the middle of the health <laughs> dumb thing ever but yeah she was uh born last year and i was back to guiding i think the next day or so. <laughs> oh shoot not well that's kind of the way it has to be though i think we i've got a guy coming out to hunt with me in september and we've got a baby due and at the end of august and i was you know it's not quite as bad as yours but i was telling my wife say well i don't know what i don't know what you want me to do <laughs> you know i gotta go right, so gotta go gotta go and yeah well, I don't, I don't, we still don't know how we're going to do it this year because, I mean, I, we start hunting early down here where I'm at, where I guide for. We 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 do summer hunts for elk, so shoot, we start hunting in June. Oh, That's no kidding. Long, long yeah. Yeah, man, we're hunting velvet bulls down here. There's so many elk that, that, that they're just, we have to do these long seasons. Kind of like the shoulder seasons in Montana, except they're doing the opposite and having them in the summer. No kidding. I did not know that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, some velvet bull hunts. Pretty, it's we did it last year too. It's a, it's a pretty unique experience. It's different hunting elk in the summertime than it is in the fall. They're a different animal. Pretty, yeah, pretty cool. I experience. would believe that. I would absolutely believe that. I mean, I've been growing up in Utah. We start hunting uh spikes, I think it's the second week of August with a bow, and yeah. and even yeah. that is totally different than September. It's not even 
it's not even remotely the same. Yeah, yeah the Bulls, their behavior is completely different. You know, it's it's fun. It's uh, definitely unique. And, you know, it's it was, I mean, we've got some nice velvet bowls for some people last year. They're pretty, I mean, it's, you know, velvet, six-point velvet bowl. That's kind of a cool thing to see. You know, I've never, I mean, where else are you going to get a chance to do that unless you're poaching? Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. No, it's true. That's you so don't see pretty, much of that. Pretty fun to be able to do. No, no, it's pretty cool. Yeah, this is a this is a unique place anywhere. I'm down in southern Colorado right now, down near Alamosa, and there's just and the the ranch that that Kate runs, it's a hundred thousand acres and it's it's just chock full of elk. So very cool. Yeah, very cool. Why well, got in the state? I, intent on keeping their numbers thinned down so we we stay busy cool that sounds like a pretty good gig i i get a bunch of people i shouldn't say a bunch several kids a year asking me about how to get into guiding and uh you know there's those guide schools there's a couple in montana that are pretty reputable and uh, cody something yeah. runs one and um but i always tell man I, like just start hunting you know because like from what i understand those guide schools are it's more about how to handle a horse than even really hunting yeah. Which I mean, if, and if that's what you're, but you, yeah, and you don't even need to know how to handle a horse. I mean, we don't hunt with horses here on this ranch. Uh, I mean, we're hunting out of pickups when I mean, we're, we're on foot a lot, but yeah, no horsebacks. You don't need necessarily to have horseback skills to be a guide. I know a lot of people think that's what you have to be and you have to be some backcountry guide, but you don't have to be. There's, there's ways into guiding and there's guides needed. I mean, there's, there's always opportunities for guides out there. Yeah, I, mean, I just lucked out getting on this place because uh, the guy that leases it, Mike Bondrat, leases the hunting on this place, Lagarita Outfitters. Throw out a little plug from my buddy Mike, and, and I just lucked out getting the work for him for the last three years, and it's been amazing. And I've learned, you know, I've hunted elk a long time and been successful, not been successful, but I've never been able to hunt so many elk in so many different ways down here because there's so many of them. That if you blow a stock, you just move on to the next one. It's high desert, flat country. It's like a mix. It's like hunting antelope, mule deer, and elk all wrapped up in the one animal. It's it's pretty unique and fun. Yeah, that actually sounds pretty fun. We like growing up out out this way, or even up here in Idaho. Uh, you blow a stock, you got to go about four more ridges to get on. Yeah, level. I know. Yeah, I know that feeling. You don't want to screw anything up. I mean, I'll do. I do weird stuff down here. I had. I was bugling a bull last year and I've done this a couple of times and he was on a little wooded Ridge and we'd gotten pretty close 150 yards from him. And there was just a little group of spikes and raghorns bedded in between us and him. And, uh, we were screaming back and forth at each other and these little spikes and stuff, they're just laying there completely ignoring us, you know? And I'm like, oh. but we can't get around them. We got to go through where they're at because the wind's in our face. I'm like, all right, man, just hold on, stay here. I'm going to try something. So I grabbed a big stick, ripped a bugle, and just went to running at them elk, smashing that stick against trees. I, I ran straight at them as hard as I could, screaming and bugling. They jumped up, stood there, looked at me until I got so close. They're like, what in the hell is going on? They turned and ran out of there. They ran out of there so fast that that big bull wondered what in the heck is coming. He came to investigate, and we got him. No kidding. So yeah, you just – yeah, just – doing weird things like that i'll chase elk out of the way to get to other elk and it makes them bull it makes them bulls mad when you chase off the raghorns 
I did last year again to another bull, five point bull, and in the wide open, I was running at him. I got to about 75 yards away before he left. I actually thought I might have to stop and fight that bull. It was, I was, I was starting to slow down my run. I'm like, dude, you need to run, or one of us is going to have to, one of us needs to back down here pretty soon. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't know I was charging at him, bugling, but uh, yeah, it was making me nervous. He was pretty bowed up. Wow. That is, yeah. I've, I mean, I've raked the crap out of trees and turned around and pissed on the ground before and pulled some stuff like that, but I sure should have never charged one, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I never have either, but that, yeah. Now I have the opportunity to charge elk and scare them out of the way and it works brilliantly. <laughs> I don't recommend you do it in a, in, in a, where there's very few population of elk though. You want a lot of elk to be doing that kind of stuff. That's cool. Like, You've yeah, had it. You've had a cool life, man. You've done a lot of cool stuff, and there's a lot, a lot of uh, in front of you too, which is pretty awesome. I mean, I, I've never, I've tried to have real jobs, but they made me miserable. They made me literally miserable, and I just couldn't do it. You know, so I just wanted to try everything, just a little bit of everything. I've never been really good at anything, but if I guess if you try enough things, you'll get good at enough of them that you can fake your way through it. <laughs> well, you make pretty damn good saddles, so. I don't know about that. Well, I appreciate that. I mean, I try to make everybody's ass smile. That's my. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks, man. I think we're running out of time here. Um, well, plug whatever we want to plug, and then I got to have you back on one of these days of BS. Yeah, heck, we can tell all kinds of stories. Uh, just you can find me on Instagram, Hawks Saddles, uh, Facebooks, Hawks Custom Salary, or under my name, Justin Hawks pretty easy to find and it might take me a minute or two to get back a hold of you but I, i'm usually usually pretty consistent with getting back a hold of people i got a lot of stuff going on I'm making saddles riding colts having babies <laughs> guiding hunts it's never ending and I'm, a, and I'm an old man so it takes a little bit it takes a minute so it reminds me of your uh bio used to say testosterone fueled life this is my favorite bio i've ever seen <laughs> <laughs> it does yeah, it does i need to get back on the trt i was on it last year it works amazing does it really that too yeah I, yeah well i might uh i might try to get on maybe like uh prime vitor belfort or <laughs> up in here cranking that trt <laughs> <laughs> yeah mama look out so. <laughs> all right thanks man so much and for real we got to have you back on so all right, Brax. We'll talk to you later, buddy. Okay. Thanks, Bart. Take care. Bye-bye. Go follow Justin on Instagram and Facebook. It'll make your day better. I promise you. He's my he's 100% my favorite follow on uh, Instagram. So go check him out. And I want to say thanks again for all the ratings and reviews you've left. If you're listening to this and you haven't left one, please leave us a five-star review. Don't do any of this four-star stuff i know like there's some kind of boomer thing going on where they're like well there's oh five stars is only for something that's perfect come on don't be that guy five stars please love you guys appreciate you if you want to support me you can probably the best way to do that is to order my book off amazon for right now uh, i think it'll make your life better appreciate you guys see you next week